I threw off the timing there, so let me do that again. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. That was my fault. I accept responsibility for that. So great to see you this morning. Beautiful Christmas Eve. You know, it's just a. It's, I always, I always, I was telling someone in between services, uh, one of my favorite uh, Sundays of the year is the Sunday before Christmas, and you can't get any Sunday or before Christmas than today. You know, it's just great. It just feels intimate and warm and special. And it's nice to be here with you. I hope that you'll take advantage. So Christmas Eve 2017, I hope you'll take advantage of uh, making a memory and you'll get your Polaroid taken. Uh, That's fun and just a way for you to take home a memory of Christmas 2017. So hang around. Don't be in a hurry to go home. And make sure you get your picture taken. We've had a lot of people already do that. And uh, we've got some folks there who will take take your picture for you. And you get to take home a little memento of being here and so that's fun. Uh, we're taking Polaroids because this Christmas we've been talking about pictures of Christmas. We've been uh, looking at Jesus and who he is and why he came and letting him tell us who he is and why he came. And he used pictures to do that. He, on several occasions, drew an analogy between him and something we already know about, Jesus the bread. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the good Shepherd. So we've talked about what it means that Jesus is bread, that Jesus is a shepherd. And this morning we're going to take another look at a picture of Jesus that will help us understand better who he is, why he came, and hopefully add extra meaning to our celebration of Christmas this year. So uh, Christmas Eve, I know you've got your normal stuff that you do, like your tradition. And, and so probably everyone here is working a little bit around what they usually do on a, on a, when, when Christmas Eve falls on the other days of the week. For us at our house on Christmas Eve, I usually take the kids out first thing, in the, not first thing in the morning, but you know, but in the morning, we go out and we try to uh, do some shopping for Lisa, and so that's a double present for her because uh, we're buying stuff for her, and we have I have all the kids with me, and and so that is an extra present. And then we go home and have a nice meal, and we're going to do that tonight. This afternoon, we'll go and start getting ready for a meal, and we have a big Christmas Eve meal, and then we give our kids. Uh, just a couple gifts, you know, we give them, and they know what they're going to get, you know, they get pajamas, uh, but we always give our kids an ornament uh, to celebrate the year. So we give each of our kids a different ornament. So we've done that since the beginning of time with our kids. And our girls get, each each girl gets a different category of ornament every year. So one of our girls, one of our our daughters gets angels every year, and these are these, you know, like glass hand-blown drop them in their gone kind of ornaments, really breakable, old world type ornaments. And uh, so one of our girls gets angels and another of our daughters gets uh, birds and bees and flowers and trees, all kinds of nature, you know, some kind of a nature ornament. And one of our daughters gets sugar and spice, you know, and everything nice. So sweets and uh, one of our daughters gets love uh, heart kinds of things, lovey kinds of things. And Eliza gets Children of the world, so uh, just ornaments of different kids from around the world. So that's what we give our daughters, and what we give our sons is instead of a category of gift that they get kind of something along a theme, instead of that, they get something to commemorate that year for them, what that year was. So it might be a school book, or it might be a soccer ball, or it might be, you know, our boys, uh, our two boys from China, their first ornaments last year were, they both got a 
a flag, American flag draped Statue of Liberty. Okay, so uh, for their first year in the United States. So we get something to commemorate uh, each year. And that's, it's, it's fun to be able to do. Our kids expect it, you know. And, but, but you add it up and, and we have purchased almost, you know, we're getting close to 100 of these different ornaments. They don't all come out, you know. But, and you kind of run, you start running out of ideas, and so Lisa called me a couple weeks ago. She was shopping for ornaments, and she called me to ask me if I had any ideas. And I thought about it, and I, I had what I thought was a good idea. It wasn't the winning idea, which is okay with me, but I thought about one of the things I really loved about 2017, and that was the solar eclipse. I mean, that was a pretty fun thing. Uh, that will always kind of be a memory for me. We took our kids to Whitman College and watched it there at the college, and that was just it's such an interesting day, you know, to feel the temperature change and to watch the sun start to fade in a way that you couldn't exactly tell what was going on. It didn't look like sunset. It didn't look like sunrise. It was a different kind of dimming of light and uh, really interesting. And it made me think, and I've thought about it a lot since then, made me think about people who didn't know, what if you didn't know what was happening? What if you didn't know that there was a, an eclipse taking place and, and uh, you you know, it, the sun just started to dim, and you were in the path of totality, and all of a sudden things just went dark on you. What would that be like? You know, I mean, that's scary because we love the sun, and when the sun disappears, that is not a good sign. And that's why I think this kind of this time of year is kind of hard on people, a lot of people, especially here in the Northwest, because we love the sun, and we like light, and we don't really like dark. And uh, that makes this time of year kind of hard. Walla Walla, you know, the, the nights are twice as long as the days this time of year. We get maybe eight and a half hours of daytime. And honestly, it's not the greatest daytime. Have you noticed that? You know, it's like gray and cloudy and, and uh, that's hard. And so the one thing that helps us get through this time of year, it seems like, is Christmas. And putting on lights and making things look bright and cheery and festive. I mean, that helps so much. And I think we, the reason we like lights so much at Christmas is because it's such a dark time of year. And so it gives us uh, something on these long nights, you know, driving through town at five o'clock and it's pitch dark. It gives you something cheery to look at, you know. And uh, we, we like lights at Christmas time. It's one of the things I like about our Christmas tree is just little white lights, you know, but when you plug that thing in, you know, it just brightens up the living room in a way that, that uh, just helps. So it's bright and it's nice. And that's what people do. People like lights at Christmas time. Some people go high tech and they, you know, they trim out their whole house and their whole yard with all kinds of lights. Other people, their lighting uh, preference is low tech, you know, and it's fireplaces and candles. But still, it's lights and we, we like that. Uh, we like our lights this time of year. By the way, you need to know this. This is your public service announcement that uh, the, the top five days of the year for home candle fires are Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's, New Year's Eve, and Halloween. So four out of the, mo- out of the five most treacherous uh, times for candle fires are coming up starting today. So pay attention. And... Uh, Every year, our family pays homage to uh, one of the most exciting Christmas lights that we've ever seen at our house. That uh, day on Christmas, probably 15 years ago, when Lisa's hair caught on fire, and I beat it out with a magazine. (laughs) And somehow, I have managed to fit that story into a Christmas sermon 
somewhere every year since that happened. So Christmas, it's the season of lights. We like lights at Christmas time because it's so dark. And the, the greater the dark, the more valuable light is when you finally get it. So I think it makes me think about this story I read a few years ago about a man in Pennsylvania. He's in a rural part, rural part of Pennsylvania, mountainous uh, part of uh, the, the state where they've done a lot of coal mining. And it's the, the mountains are just pockmarked with abandoned coal shafts and abandoned mines. And uh, this man went to a party and he went exploring at night. Okay, probably had a little too much of something. And out exploring in this rural part of the state, and he comes upon this big crater that's about 30 feet across and about 30 feet down. He decides he wants to explore and see what's down there. So he starts exploring this crater, and he slips on a rock and hits it and falls towards the middle and, and like a funnel. And he falls through the hole that's at the bottom of that funnel. And he falls 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 160 feet. I don't know how he does it, but he ends up down the bottom of a mine shaft, 160 feet. So if you want to talk about dark, think about 160 feet down a coal mine at night. I mean, that's dark. And that kind of darkness, I mean, it's terrifying. I don't know what it is about dark. There's probably a number of different things that, that make us uneasy in the dark. You know, For one thing, you can't differentiate anything. Everything just looks the same or doesn't look the same. There's no variety. There is, uh, so it's the kind of the sensory deprivation for one thing. Then, you know, it's danger. You're more vulnerable when you can't see what's around you and what you need to protect yourself against, what you need to prepare for, and you can't move. You can't make any progress because you can't see anything ahead of you. You're uh, just stuck. So you're in this kind of state of depression, sensory deprived, Sensory deprived and exposed to danger and stuck, can't do anything about it because you don't have any light. And the darker it is, the worse it is. The darker the light, uh, you know, I mean, the, the greater the darkness, the more you'd give for just a little flashlight, right? Like that guy in that coal mine, what would he give for just a flashlight? Well, that's what what we're going to be talking about this morning as we examine these different pictures of Jesus. Jesus the bread, Jesus the shepherd. This morning, what we want to talk about on Christmas Eve 2017 is we want to talk about Jesus the light. Because Jesus, in wanting to communicate to us who he is and why he came and what difference it makes, chose a word picture to tell us what he's like. And on one occasion in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus' closest friend, his closest earthly friend, recorded Jesus making this statement. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, you may not be a person who thinks a whole lot about this, what Jesus says. You know, it may not be something that keeps you up at night. What, what did Jesus say? And who is Jesus? But, but it's, here's what I'd say to you. Since he's history's most admired person, since he uh, actually predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off, since hundreds of millions of people since that day have found good reason to follow him, it might be worth every once in a while just taking out the subject of who Jesus is and why he came and, and considering it for yourself. 
Since mil- hundreds of millions of people have found their, uh, their, found him worth centering their lives on, then it, then it might behoove us just for Christmas Eve 2017 to think again about who Jesus is. And when Jesus communicated who he was, he said, I am the light of the world. Jesus talked about darkness during his lifetime. He talked about darkness, and to Jesus, darkness wasn't the absence of light, it was the absence of God. That's what made something dark, the absence of God. And Jesus saw this absence of God in the world. He saw it in the world that he entered into that day 2,000 years ago when God, uh, the God of the universe, became a human being, veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, hail the incarnate deity, this God who entered a human body and came into the world. He saw a world that was filled with darkness. And it wasn't just the world. He saw this absence of God in the world and this absence of God not just in the world but also in us. This darkness was in the world that Jesus entered and was also in the people that Jesus came to serve. So I want to think about that for a minute. You think about the world that Jesus entered. It was a dark place. It was a place that had injustice, and oppression, and hardness, and sickness, pain, and hardship, honestly, it hasn't changed that much. We still live in a world that that demonstrates the absence of God, that you could really call darkness, if we're honest. All you have to do to see this darkness is look look at what's happened this last year. In 2017, you can just take a look at the Associated Press top ten stories of the past year, and you can see this absence of God. So uh, I looked this up uh, earlier this week, and so they've already come. Unless something disastrous or amazing happens in the next week, these are the top ten news stories of 2017. The first one, you could probably guess, is the uh, sex, uh, sexual misconduct upheaval. All this uh, sexual harassment and uh, people losing their jobs and women stepping forward and the Me Too movement, that's the number one story according to the Associated Press. The number two story is Trump's first year, another year of upheaval. When they recorded this as the second, as the second uh, most significant story of the year, they weren't talking necessarily about Trump's accomplishments. What they were primarily talking about was his breaking of the mold, that he has totally reset the table. And uh, whether you're for that or against that, you know, that's the second biggest story of the year. Third biggest story of the year, Las Vegas shooting, where 58 people were uh, killed. Number four, the hurricane onslaught. Houston, Florida, Puerto Rico, all three portions of the United States. And just, just devastated. Houston alone, if you can imagine this, Houston alone, $150 billion in damage just in Houston. Uh, North Korea, number five. Oh, yeah, (laughs) right? Oh, yeah. The Trump-Russia probe. Obamacare, the fact that Obamacare, even after the Republicans tried to get rid of it, it's still standing, That that whole story. The tax overhaul which just happened this last week, worldwide terror attacks and the Islamic State. Now, regardless, those are the top ten stories, regardless of your political leanings, you look at that list, there's something to bother everybody on that list. Okay? And it's darkness. 
I mean, when you think this is the world, this is not, this is not any different than any year. You know, every year has its own share of stuff that's happened. And Jesus knew that uh, the world he entered was a world that was marked by this kind of darkness. And Jesus knew that this darkness wasn't just around us. He knew that it was actually in us, that we were born into this world at odds with God, automatically at odds with God. And Jesus knew that the, the, human, the human race that he came to serve had fallen far short of perfection. That's putting it mildly. He actually knew that the people that he came to serve were, were actively in rebellion against the God of the universe, his Father. That's darkness. And Jesus came into this darkness, and he called this, this darkness, this ab- he called this, this absence of God in us and in the world, he called it darkness, and he came to fix it. And Jesus said, and here's where all this is going, Jesus said, I came to fix the problem of darkness. I came to be light in a dark place. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, think about light. What is it that Jesus is trying to communicate? We said that the reason these pictures are so valuable is because one picture, just one word picture, opens up a whole realm of meaning. So what does Jesus want, to, want us to understand about himself by saying, I am light? Well, what is light? Light is comforting, right? Light is, is, provides direction. Light provides protection. Light is a source of life and and. Jesus said, I am light. I am like light. I illumine dark places. If darkness is the absence of God, then the answer to that is the presence of God. And Jesus says, that's who I am. And Jesus says he is that that light. And he says that he's the light of the world. So that he comes for a whole, uh, the whole world that God has created. All of humankind. I am the light of the world. And then he says, uh, that very last phrase, uh, Jesus says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and I am the light of life. I am the light that brings life. And that's who Jesus says he is. He uses this word picture to communicate to us. He is light for everyone. He is light that brings life. He came to fix the absence of God in us and in the world around us. When it's dark, what you want is light. We said, light, lack, darkness is sensory deprivation. It's depressing. Everything looks the same. Darkness is danger. Darkness is vulnerability. Darkness is uh, stuck can't make any progress. So when you're in this state of depression and sensory deprived and exposed to danger and stuck, this light enters. This, this, this presence of God in the world who, who has come to, to uh, bring illumination and safety and comfort and security in a dark place. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to be light and to fix this absence of God problem in us, 
and in the world around us. And 800 years before Jesus was born, so think how far that was, 800 years before Jesus was born, a Jewish prophet named Isaiah, he was living in darkness too. But he knew that this darkness someday was going to come to an end. And he, he knew, he was looking forward to the day that God had promised he would send light. So 800 before, years before Jesus was born, a Jewish prophet wrote these words. There will be no more, someday there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Do you see the darkness-light contrast here? This darkness, you have the word gloom. Let's go back there. We've got the word gloom. Uh, We've got darkness. We've got shadows. Gloom and darkness and shadows. And then a great light. And, And Isaiah goes on to tell us who that light is going to be. For unto us a child is born. Unto us A son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, this light that's going to come someday. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I want you to see here that the previous, uh, the previous section, gloom, darkness, shadow of death, and here what we have is peace and justice and righteousness that will never end. That's the light that God has promised. And Isaiah recorded this promise. Someday the God who created this human race is going to bring a light that will illumine and bring justice and peace. And 800 years later, when Jesus hit the scene, people who were paying attention to what Isaiah wrote looked at what Isaiah wrote and they looked at Jesus and they said, that's the guy. He's the one. That's the one right there who's going to be light in the world. Isaiah said it. Jesus himself said it. I am the light of the world. And millions of people, hundreds of millions of people since then, thousands of people in this valley, hundreds of people uh, who are part of this worship service, uh, Trinity's worship services this morning, agree that Jesus is the light that brings life. He is the light that illumines and that that. Uh, fixes the problem of the absence of God. And He does it in us. He does it in us by providing uh, for the forgiveness of our sins. That Jesus went on to live a life that ultimately uh, caused so much controversy that He was killed and executed by the government, the Roman government. And, and three days later came back from the dead and uh, validated everything that He'd said and says that whoever believes in me, that's what our, our, Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So that that absence of God can be repaired in us. We can have our sins forgiven, our relationship with God repaired, be adopted into his family, and live forever. And not only will, does Jesus come to be light and fix the, the absence of God in us, but Jesus is going to someday fix the, absence, the problem of the absence of God in the world. Jesus is going to come, and the government is going to be on his shoulders. He is going to make everything right in this world. And whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light that gives life.
That's the gospel. That's the good news that we talk about at Christmas, that God himself became a human being to fix the problem of darkness in us and in the world around us. And that is already at work. That is already at work in us and in the world around us. When I think about the value of light, I think about, uh, makes me think of just Friday and Saturday this week. If you don't remember what Friday was like, just remember what Saturday was like. Do you remember yesterday? Okay. Yesterday? Okay, if you remember yesterday, take the opposite. That was Friday. Okay? If you know what I'm talking about, all, well, that was actually Thursday and Wednesday and Tuesday and Monday, too. Uh, dark and cloudy. I mean, long nights, and then even when the sun does come up, you can't tell where it is in the sky. You know it's in the sky because it's not nighttime anymore, but you can't see anywhere on the horizon where the sun... The clouds are so thick, you don't even know where the sun is in the sky. And everything is brown and gray, and it's just so... And then you have a day like yesterday. It snows, and the skies are clear, and, and there's this giant ball of fire up there. And everything looks beautiful. It's yellow and blue and white and sparkly. And you feel different. It's so amazing. Just the, the presence of light. And that's, that's, that's the difference between some light and lots of light. But when you compare that to the darkness of night, I mean, that is an amazing transformation. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because Christmas is God entering the world and bringing light, fixing the problem of darkness in us and around us. And this light is for the whole world. But only those who follow Jesus are the ones who get to experience not walking in darkness. Only those who make that life decision. And that's why we talk about this at Christmas time, because it reminds us of our most important decision, our life's most important decision, many of us who have already made that and have begun to follow Jesus and are, are not walking in darkness but walking in light. And it reminds some of us that we still have that decision to make. So here's uh, how we can respond to this news this morning. We can respond on two levels. One is for those of us who follow this light. If you're a Jesus follower this morning, then you have opportunity to rejoice and celebrate this Christmas. That you have opportunity to celebrate, that you have life that brings light. Light that brings life. Light that brings comfort. Light in your life that brings you a repaired relationship with God. And, and, and makes this world more beautiful and the next world possible. And so we celebrate Jesus. When you go home this afternoon and you uh, turn on, uh, you know, you flip that switch and turn on those lights in your yard or you light some candles or you plug in that Christmas tree, you can, you can celebrate in a special way. You can just remember Jesus' light. He's brought light to my life. He's brought light to my relationship with God. He it was brought the light of the promise of eternal life. That's for those of us who follow Jesus this morning. I hope what this does is just enriches your celebration of Christmas. Then there's uh, some of you who may have never made that life decision. And you hear about it, you know, you've got some friends who talk about it, but it's not really something that's marked your life. You've never really decided what you're going to do with who Jesus is and why he came. And what I'd encourage you to do, here's what I'd say to you. I would say, 
it is not crazy for you to think, maybe I should think a little bit about this. That's all I'm saying. It's not crazy. You would not be a fanatic if you said, maybe I should have a conversation with someone about who Jesus is and why, they fo- why my friend follows him. Maybe I should do a little bit of reading from the Bible itself before I let up my college professor have made up my mind for me 20 years ago about who Jesus is. Maybe I should look into it myself. It's not crazy for you to say, maybe I should give it a little bit of thought. Why is it not crazy? Well, first of all, he's history's most admired person. He's history's most complex person. He says, he says that he's the light of the world and can provide eternal life. And then the best historical records we have about him tell us that he died and came back from the dead and said he would do that. Hundreds of millions of people in the history of the world have, based, have centered their lives on him. People you know and respect in this room have centered their lives on him. For you to give it a little bit of thought would not be crazy. It actually might be the most responsible thing that you could do. So I would encourage you to not be afraid to have that conversation, a literal conversation with a friend of yours, someone who uh, came with you this morning, or someone you know here that you'd like. Let's, I would like to go to coffee and talk about this with that person. They would love nothing more, I can guarantee you, than to do that with you. Another thing you could do, continue to hang around Trinity and learn more about who Jesus is. You can also take the step of just picking up, we have a simple booklet we've offering it uh, this month, just a simple little overview of who Jesus is and why he came. It's called Why Christmas, and it's just an a, a introduction for the person who wants to take the next step and think responsibly about who Jesus is and not just take someone else's word for it. So that's my encouragement to you. We've either got something to celebrate as Jesus followers or something to think about as people who are still uh, in the process of determining what we think about who Jesus is. And my hope is that you will do one or the other this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not left us in darkness, that you have instead given us the promise of light, and that, that uh, when that light came into the world, he was easily identifiable by his actions, by the prophecies that predicted him, by his own resurrection from the dead. And so we can look at who Jesus is and why he came, and we can, we can have the confidence that you sent him, and he is the light that gives life. And we thank you for him. And we thank you that uh, you have cared enough about us to send us light in the darkness. And we celebrate that this morning. And we thank you through Jesus. Amen.